Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Risk Acumen podcast, which offers thoughtful insight around risk engineering and management. My guest today works somewhere truly iconic. Uh, Not only does it hold 90,000 people when it's full, but it has four of the largest restaurants in London, 98 kitchens, 35 retail units, and, and here's the real interesting fact. A world record 2,618 toilets, apparently. Now, now the place I'm talking about is Wembley Stadium, and I'm joined today by its health and safety manager and chartered member of IOSH, Tom Wick. Hi, Tom. Hi, Johnny. How's it going? Yeah, great. Thanks, Johnny. I'm just uh, ordering some soap for those toilets for when we get some fans back. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Tom, what a place to work. What's it like being health and safety manager at Wembley Stadium? Yeah, it's a, it's a great job. It's a daunting job. Um, it's definitely a daunting job. As you've said, the, the 90,000 people is kind of just the half of it, really. It's, it's such an iconic place. It's such a huge venue. And, the, you know, it's, it's a place that never stops. So people always think of it as just an event venue, but it really isn't. You know, we've got offices here for the Football Association. We've got ongoing work, capital projects, work, all that kind of thing every day, you know, 365 days a year. So it's certainly daunting, um, but... It all comes into perspective when you kind of sit there and take five minutes during an event and you you see 90,000 people really enjoying a concert or enjoying the the FA Cup final as an example. It's it's one of those places that you can really appreciate working. Yeah, and I guess a a huge responsibility for you as well, of course. And I guess under normal circumstances, the stadium would literally be bursting at the seams with with people, but (laughs) 2020 hasn't really been a normal year has it no it's certainly not so we were obviously planning for for an extremely busy year this year we we started with the carabao cup final at the end of february start of march which was our, our now last event with spectators in but this year was supposed to have you know really high hopes so we were supposed to have the euros semi-finals final of euro 2020 obviously all our usual event calendar so fa cup finals fa cup semi-finals playoff finals with with 90,000 fans in attendance for each one of those um, we had some great concerts booked in with the eagles and westlife and then obviously some some england internationals which are really our sort of linchpin events yeah. but unfortunately Although we have run a lot of those events and the majority of those events, we are yet to welcome any more spectators since the since the end of February. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you work to a strict plan normally. So I would imagine one of the one of the big challenges for you has has been having to kind of improvise. Really, That's, that, that must have been scary and exciting as well. I guess at the same time. <laughs> yeah, imp- improvisation <laughs> and flexibility are our two uh, two buzzwords really for this year. So as you say, yeah. you know, we, we kind of start with a plan. Every event has a plan. Most events are sort of 12 months in the making. So before we know the teams involved, before sometimes we even know the artists involved for concerts, we will be planning events and, and planning around kind of audience demographics and, and times of year and all those kind of key things, builds and, and bit, different bits and pieces that can bring hazards and risks. Um, but this year, it was so unknown. We've, we've never had a behind-closed-doors game at Wembley before this year. And then this year, I think yeah. we've run about 16. And it's just kind of, how do you balance everything that's going on in the world? So, you know, the unknowns in the beginning about coronavirus and what it may bring, what the specific hazards and risks are of it, with 
the usual operations, so bringing in broadcast, having the work at heights, having all those kind of bits and pieces, which would usually require quite an intense workforce, but then scaling that workforce back based on government regulations, based on best practice. And as you say, a lot of improvisation and a lot of changing on a kind of daily basis of not only what we can and can't do, but what we also feel is right to do. We have to to take as Wembley as the national stadium, we have to take a view that we want to minimise harm, we want to minimise risk as much as we possibly can. And that really makes a difference when you're dealing with some unknowns like coronavirus this year. And yeah, as I say, flexibility and improvisation, you're certainly right, has has been the key. Yeah, from a process point of view, what what sort of things have you been um, implementing there? And just paint a bit of a picture if you can, Tom, just to give me an idea of, of, of really how you've been managing those risks. Yeah, so from a process point of view, as you say, we have a, a standard kind of process that works for every event through an operations manual for the stadium, which ties in with our, our general safety certificate. Basically, when you take spectators out and add a virus in, you kind of throw out that operations manual because it's all very much... <laughs> governed towards the spectators and keeping the spectators safe and then it becomes a lot more your general day-to-day health and safety so it's a lot more right okay what are the hazards what are the risks and how do we control them for the limited number of people how can we ensure that we can still control hazards despite having a limited number of people because obviously you know things like technical assistance and all that kind of stuff is is a priority in terms of controlling some of the hazards but the, the majority of it was basically sitting down, getting back to basics. We have a great team here. So we, we took a lot of the lead from our medical team. So our chief medical officer and our medical manager have been fantastic throughout this year. And they're now now enjoying a, a very well-earned break. <laughs> and the, basically, it's just going back to basics. So that's that's what we had to do is, is kind of look at everything and then rewrite it all over again. And then as the guidance changed, as the information changed, we then rewrote it again. As different event owners came in with different ideas and ways of working and that kind of thing, we kind of embraced and collaborated with them to make sure that we were still happy that we we had all the safe systems of work in place and, and all the right controls and went went from there really. So that was the key was was collaboration and, and starting a scratch, starting from scratch. Yeah, I guess it almost sounds like it's kind of brought people together. Um which, which are, you know, one of the cliches, of course, of the viruses is that we're all in this together. And I suppose that may be one of the one of the positives to, to, to come out of this. Yeah, I certainly think it is. So in, in the sports and events industry, as you can imagine, sort of everybody's got a very competitive nature and sharing best yeah. practice, unfortunately, is usually seen as giving away competitive secrets. <laughs> so, you know, and that unfortunately <laughs> even comes down to health and safety between different event venues between different teams and, and clubs and that kind of thing but that's been the real positive of this year is everybody's collaborated everybody's worked together because we've all got the same common goal now which was to to bring events back whether they be behind closed doors yeah. or with a limited number of spectators and the fact that we are now all working together is is a lot better there's you know still improvements that could be made and i think this is one of the the key learning points for me is certainly i will reach out to the network a lot more and i'm very receptive for for people reaching out to us because we may not always get things 100 percent right we may not always be perfect and i'm sure it's very rare that anybody is perfect but i strongly believe that together we can all make improvements which which benefit everybody okay that, i mean that's great and how would people reach out 
to you, Tom, in that way? Yeah, so I'm very receptive sort of on LinkedIn and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I've got a, a great network there. Um, there's also a few different bits and pieces. So the IOSH Sports Grounds and Events um, Committee, it's always key, I think. Anybody yep. with a role in events and sports grounds should be should be on that committee. Basically, should be a member, um, and that's a that's a great forum for being able to share ideas and, and any issues. And also things like the British Safety Council. So we're part of the Stadia Sector Interest Group, um, which obviously brings a lot of sort of different ideas from different stadiums, from football grounds, uh, Premier League grounds, sort of downwards, and then also from the likes of Twickenham. So, you know, everybody is sharing in a, in a kind of very open manner, which is, is great and very helpful. Excellent. That's great news. And, and just to say, if you, if you are trying to find Tom either on Google or, or LinkedIn, the surname's W-I-K-E, that's isn't correct. it, Tom? Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the spelling. Yeah, yeah. What about, um, what about people's perception of um, safety and health? Um, do you think that's kind of diminished or has it improved as a result of this crisis? What, what are you seeing? <laughs> from a professional perspective. Yeah, so the, the perception of health and safety, I've, I've done a bit of work on this in the past, of perhaps the perception of health and safety as a profession and, and that kind of thing. And it's a, it's a really tricky one. I think uh, people's perception and people's knowledge of hazards and risks has certainly improved this year. And that's obviously always a benefit. Yeah. But I th- do think that the key is that health and safety needs to come from a sound basis. So it needs to come from based on the science or based on the actions or based on actual tangible results. And that's where, because we've taken yeah. the lead from our medical professionals, because this is very much a, a medical issue, a medical hazard, we've really been able to to get people on board and get people to buy in. So we've had the likes of Toolbox Talks from our medical manager and CMO. We've had, you know, ongoing meetings basically where they will present the most up-to-date details on the virus on on how it spreads and all those kind of things and the control measures and i do believe that provided health can, health and safety can come from the right perspective provided it comes from the right knowledgeable angle and it's also delivered in the right way and the right way isn't about talking to people it's about talking with people conversing and and engaging and finding out what it is they need and, and going on from there and I'd like to hope that this year and people's knowledge of risk assessments, I've never heard the word risk assessment mentioned as much on the, the six o'clock news as it has been this year. <laughs> and in all honesty, I hope it's not ever again. Um, but I do certainly hope that yeah. that helps people's perception of health and safety and what it's trying to achieve. Brilliant. And that sounds like it would be one of the key takeaways from 2020 for you and and, and, and to take through it into 2021 i'm just interested to know if there's anything else any other experiences um that stand out tom that that, that you feel like um this experience has taught you yeah i think the the other the other point for me this year has definitely been to to look beyond the borders of your your job role look beyond the borders for me of, of being a health and safety professional so when it all first started back in march and we kind of told everybody right work from home for the next three weeks and we'll kind of see where it goes from there that quickly became April, May, yeah. three months, you know, and, and obviously people still aren't back in the office as it stands at the moment. But I think by looking beyond the border, so obviously health and safety professionals have been extremely busy, but there's also been downtime. So because we didn't have events for sort of three periods, we opened up the stadium and saw what we could do for, for the local community. So one of the real highlights for me, or a couple of the real highlights, is we managed to, through our links already with the London Fire Brigade and London Ambulance Service, is open up our venue for some um, ambulance service driver training for serving fire officers. 
So basically, they were trained to drive ambulances, which basically meant that an extra 300 fire officers who were trained at the stadium could then go and work on ambulances, which assisted the number of ambulances that could be on the streets of London. And that you know, made a made a huge difference. And that's something I look back on definitely with a great deal of fondness from the year. I know within the first seven days of yeah. training, um, they'd been out, they'd been delivering babies, they'd been sort of saving people who'd, who'd had heart attacks and that kind of thing. And <laughs> wow. it was great to hear the stories coming back. Um, but I do think that, you know, the, the key is, and a lot of people have really struggled this year, but take five minutes, look back on the year, and there will certainly be positives that have happened. There'll certainly be learning points where you'll feel like a a better person or you'll feel like you can take those learnings and those achievements forward, um, you know, no matter how the year has been. Brilliant, Tom. So it's, it's, it's a kind of great way to, to start the new year, to, to not look back at the last year as being a complete write-off <laughs> and, and, and total disaster, but the, that actually there may be some 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 positives, certainly from a health and safety and a, and a risk management perspective coming out of that. Um, anything else you want to get over? or uh, 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 For me, you know, the, the thoughts you've given today are, are, are brilliant. And, you know, I'd just like to say many thanks for the, for the, for the terrific insight. Great no, stuff. no problem, Johnny. It's, it's great to be involved. I've, you know, I'm, I'm extremely lucky in the position that, that I'm in and, you know, anything that I can do to, to get that message out is, is really appreciated. Yeah. And of course, we've been trying desperately not to talk about football, <laughs> you and I, even though it's Wembley Stadium and uh, <laughs> both great fans, but we were both agreed in a kind of pre-chat not to turn it into a football podcast. <laughs> we did, yeah, as hard as <laughs> it was. To the, to the topic, so. So yeah, well done with that. And uh, I'll give myself a pat on the back as well. Uh, great, Tom. Thanks very much for, for that. It's, uh, it's been great chatting to you as always. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, you've been listening to the, the Risk Acumen podcast. If you have any questions or comments around the topic we've covered today, um, please get yourself onto LinkedIn. Uh, we have a page there. And as Tom said, you can find him on there as well. Um, and you can also find a link on www.riskacumen.co.uk. Thanks again, Tom. And until the next time, goodbye for now.